The views and opinions expressed on this show are purely the views and opinions of the person who made them and do not necessarily reflect or agree with those of the show's commercial sponsors, its radio station affiliates, or Internet broadcast platforms. As the restriction on our God-given right to free speech manifests itself throughout the world, we are inspired by Jesus Christ's immortal words, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And we reserve the rights to all our words. Thank you, and now enjoy the show. who rules over you, simply find out that you are not allowed to criticise. You are listening to ACH, I'm Andy, your co-host, and on today, well, today is Sunday, so it's time for the Limes, for a show entitled, If You Can't Be Bothered to Listen to This, Just Watch the 41-Second YouTube Video in the Show Post, with my co-host, Malifkas Scott, so let's bring him up right now. Malifkas, are you with us? I am, Andy. It's lovely to be back. And again, it's lovely to be indoors. It is horrible out there. Really, really horrible. Windy, really, really thick drizzle coming down in sheets. Uh, Yeah, it's nice to be indoors this morning uh, speaking to you and the good listeners. Yeah, it's actually with me. I can see um, it's a bit cloudy, but the sun is beaming through the clouds. So... I hope I'm not going to have to move from this chair because one time Malifkas and I were recording a show recently and I just put my headphones down and my mic and everything got cut off. There's like some short circuit or something that sometimes happens. And uh, before we started recording, I said, I'll just go and get my water. I put my headphones down and it happened again. So I had to reboot. So now I can't really go and pull the curtains across because I might lose my microphone. But uh, anyway... Today's show title, if you can't be bothered to listen to this, just watch the 41-second YouTube video in the show post, refers to, well, refers to a YouTube video that, well, tell us about its effect on you, Malifkus, without giving away what happens. <laughs> okay, so the video clip um, I watched many years ago when I was, I was, I was working for a, a grounds maintenance company, and uh, that particular day, memory memory well in with with the memory still fresh in my mind of watching the video the night before i was in the middle of cutting a huge area of grass like a playing field in front of where the school was that i was looking after because we were looking after schools at that point and um i was just i couldn't help it andy i was just laughing to myself because i kept reliving that moment and anyone looking out the windows from the school must have just been thinking what the hell's wrong with that guy he's like he's in stitches on the back of a ride on lawnmower <laughs> Do you know what I mean? um so yeah it was one of those um well as you can tell actually it's one of those videos that's kind of stuck with me over the years and still makes me laugh now so yeah if you want if you want a bit of cheering up at someone else's expense, by all means, go and watch the video. <laughs> Might make yeah. you laugh more than this show will. 
Yeah, we're going to give it our best shot, but uh, it's one of those things. The reason I wanted Maleficus to bring it up is this conversation came up, something, a joke that someone had told me when I was sort of in my, you know, late teens, 16, 17, 18, something like that. And I remember still laughing about it like a couple of weeks later. And that's when Maleficus said about this video and sent it over a few weeks ago. And uh, I had an idea to use it for the show. And uh, I, one thing I didn't... I've got quite a lot of content today, but I could not get a decent show title. So that came to my mind yesterday, and I thought, hopefully you will all enjoy it too. But before we get into today's Limey show, I just want to draw your attention to today's traditional Christian message, entitled Christian Liberty Books, an eight-minute show written by Dr. Peter Hammond that I put up earlier on achshow.com. So please check that out if it interests you. So, Mliftus, what have you been up to since we recorded our last show that you would like to share with me and the audience? Over to you. Well, a couple of things. Um, a couple of things musical this week, in actual fact. Um, first off, my mum's been tidying out stuff at her place because, uh, well, because she's having a big tidy out. And she came across not only an old photograph of her grandfather, so the Colonel's father, uh, James Richard Cray Scott of Killadicert, County Clare, Royal Marine, died 1915 age 65. I'll tell you what, Andy, he's got one heck of a moustache and an excellent <laughs> hand crocheted tie um, in the cool. picture. So there you go. Um, but also, uh, she stumbled across the, the second album I ever purchased as a child, Andy. And it's an LP, a, a vinyl LP of the Fraggle Rock <laughs> series, if you remember Jim Henson's Fraggle Rock Um so yeah, that was a that was a, a a bit of a find. I have yet to find someone with a vinyl player to actually play it back. I can't see me listening to it for very long. But the other thing that happened musically this week is um, I got my CD album through the post from Kerry Ann Music, who I mentioned on the show a few weeks back. Uh, Kerry Ann spelled C E R I A N. Um, really lovely, brilliant CD, and a lovely little personal message inside as well. Um, so. Uh, if anyone's interested, you can go onto YouTube and put in said search, Carrie Ann Music, and you can uh, sample some of the tunes that she's actually sent to me on CD. So, yeah, that was that was good, Andy. It was really nice to get that through the post. Excellent. It's funny because you remind me it was one of the early albums that I had, and I don't still have it. Uh, it was The Muppet Show, which, of course, was the same guy, Jim Henson, had a Muppet <laughs> Show album because I'm a, a two or three years older than you. Um, so I'd have just, yeah, because um, I remember I saw that. A lot of the times, Amanda goes around, likes to go to all these places where there's charity shops, and she'll be going in looking for stuff to buy, and I'm generally looking for things that bring back memories that I won't buy. So I'm like, there was a, we were walking past the charity shop a couple of weeks ago, and there was this four-album set called 75 Million Sellers. And I remember my dad had that, and when he left my mum, he left it, so I took it, you know. Uh, he obviously couldn't be bothered with it, but it was a four-album set of 75 songs, all of which had sold more than a million. Right. And, oh, okay. And there was also so it was a real mishmash on there. I remember, like, a, I think a boy named Sue was on there, Johnny Cash. Uh, so that was one of my favourite tunes as a kid. Oh, that used to yeah. make me laugh, man, so much. And uh, then there was also um, My Old Man's A Dustman was on it. Yeah. 
and, I remember uh, that one as well. And, and, you know, you wouldn't put the two together. By the way, if anyone out there has got an unbleeped version of a boy named Sue, you know it gets bleeped at the end. I think he says S-O-B or son of a bitch or whatever, I think. Do you, do you know what he says that was bleeped out at the end? Uh, I've, it's been a long time since I've listened to it, but my mum has the original on vinyl. Yeah, but there's one that's different, I think, because the one that's famous is the live one where you hear the crowd in the background. You can find different ones, but you need the one that is the live one that's bleak, but I know that there are things out there that aren't. So if any of you have got that, then Maleficus's email is in the post for the show. I'm sure I'd be delighted to receive it, and you can send I it I would. Yeah. I would. I'd be delighted to receive that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's funny. You talk about the Muppets album, Andy. A friend of mine, I went to my mate's wedding uh, God, years and years and years ago now. Um, and at the end of the wedding, um, the best man had nothing to do and nowhere to go. So I said, oh, well, why don't we go out and have a, a couple more beers and come back to my place? We can have a, you know, a chat and a this, that and the other. And um, in the car, he, he had the Muppets album playing in the car. And I was listening to it going, oh, no way, this brings back some memories. And he looked at me, and he he was a Geordie guy. He said, you know what's really funny? He said, when you listen to this, you don't think of the people in the studio doing the voices. You envisage the Muppets themselves in the recording studio, (laughs) wearing the headphones, speaking into the microphones, et cetera, et cetera, because obviously that's who you associate the voices with. And I thought, wow, isn't that a crazy concept? Yeah, of course, that's exactly what I've been envisaging. (laughs) Yeah, no, I know what you mean. It's um, it is interesting. So, uh, yeah, um, what have I been up to? Well, I've got a couple of things on my uh, I noted down here. Well, remember a few weeks ago, I said that I would never find a Harris tweed jacket where I live, Maleficus, because they don't make puffer jackets. Well, I always say that if I say something and I'm wrong, we'll correct it here because I ended up actually. It wasn't this weekend just gone. It was uh, Saturday before, so eight days ago. Went into a charity shop, found the Harris Tweed jacket. It had a couple of, I thought they were like cigarette burns on the front down below. And they wanted me £35 for it. And I pointed them out and they said, well, 25 but you can't bring it back. And I thought, well, I've only seen two so far, both in Kingston. And neither of them fitted. And they're about 55 each, I think. So I bought it and I know someone that does alterations and stuff and I took it to them and, well, first off they said that uh, the previous owner was probably a hungry moth so they were going to have to do a special clean on it. They had their own dry cleans. That was 15 quid. And it was another 50 to do because the other thing I found after I bought it, of course, was there was a split at the bottom of the front of the jacket so that needed to be sealed up and all that. So all told... It was 65 quid for the clean and the alterations or the corrections or what have you. So 90 quid, but um, it looks perfect now. And uh, I've uh, I've not worn it yet because it's too cold to sort of wear it out. You'd have to wear a scarf or what have you in the exposed bit down the middle. But I was actually in Wimbledon yesterday and I didn't. Um, I deliberately looked for tweed jackets harris tweed there because that was the only other place i thought you know it's sort of up market isn't it like um like kingston that i might find one i didn't see one anywhere not in wimbledon village not in wimbledon town center um so there was that and then i was at my mum's house stayed over wednesday thursday this week and did a few things there but just to give you an idea 
my dad died in January of 2018. So that's over six years ago now. And she's still got all his clothes. I mean, all of them, even his underwear. Um, Maleficus, I, I've sort of not quite finished. I've got to do some stuff in the kitchen, but most of downstairs I've sort of cleared um, to the extent of stuff that I want to keep, I don't want to keep, and stuff that might be worth the auctioneer picking up or what have you. Um, so I moved up to their room and I got 10 bin bags full of his clothes. Wow. Um, fortunately, there's a recycle place not far from where they live. Um, or certainly he used to live and she used to live, to be honest. I'm kind of the caretaker. <clears throat> um, so I, I took them all over there. Um, but this is sort of what I'm dealing with when I say my mother never threw anything out. Got rid of his shoes because she realised that my feet were not going to suddenly change size. <laughs> Although hers have, so uh, with all the swelling she's got, she's wearing size 11 slippers on a size 8 foot. But basically, um, she just didn't want to throw any of his stuff out in case... Well, I don't know. She was thinking of it for me or what have you. So it's a long old project. Um, it's quite, it must be quite a, quite a tough journey for you as well, to be honest, Andy. Sort of going through this stuff and, all right, you know, it's stuff that's got to be gotten rid of. But at the same time, you know, even, even little items of clothing must trigger, trigger old memories for you and stuff. So it must be quite a tough journey. Yeah, it's sort of sometimes you know, I've, I've felt like a bit guilty. I'm like, am I raising him completely from this house, you know, because I've, I've moved into his bedroom, you know, um, and uh, I've now, because you see, the other thing is, is I've got clothes, I've got some, a lot of things there as well. So I've been looking around my apartment because I've kind of pretty much decided that I'm going to stay here. But where am I going to put this I think it's about 900 CDs that I've got. And now I was thinking of getting someone in to, you know, put a different cabinet up with more. They'd have to build it in. It costs money. But the one that's there I actually like, and it's got space for things that, you know, in picture frames and little ornaments you might put up there and stuff like that. Mm. Well, if I had it how I wanted it, all that would have to go and it would just be shelves with doors on and stuff like that. So I've been getting ideas for where I can actually put them without and utilising the existing space. And uh, I've got completely underneath the bed is empty. But in the, where my kitchen cabinets are, the kitchen and lounge is the same, they're next to me now. I see that there's quite a big gap and it goes all along the wall. And I said to Amanda, I said, if I stack the CDs there, do you think it'd look funny? I mean, cause it'd all be multicoloured at the top with the spines of all the different albums. And she said, no, I think it might look all right, might look interesting. Um, and then other things like, um, I've got other, I worry if I put too much in a cupboard and it's screwed to the wall, it's going to collapse, do you know what I mean? So I want someone to look at something to make sure I don't overdo it and bring it down. Um, so there's all sorts of different things I'm, I'm looking at, but essentially I'm trying to work out a way. And, and I think about that and I'm like, well, your mum, you, you're going to keep the house anyway, so long as your mum is around, and that could be for a great deal of time. So why are you worrying about that now? Because even if she were 
to go suddenly it's going to be months before it could be sold and probate finished and stuff like that but that's kind of yeah. you know where my mind how my mind works really um yeah and i just thought you know so i'm sort of thinking to myself plastic boxes under the bed so i could go and measure those up and how many would i fit in and, and all these different things just trying to utilize the space i have rather than um building other things in because I, I do when i look at my apartment you know i've been here over 10 years and i'm kind of i'm happy with how it is i don't really want to change anything replace anything although i do have a new chair on the way uh, this one's been creaking i don't hope none of you you might hear it a bit and of course as soon as i try and there you probably heard that but uh, it's have to be careful sometimes, uh, you know, on the air. And I've, I've put WD-40 and all that on it. It didn't go away. And I saw the last chair that I had lasted about three, three and a half years. And this has been about the same time, maybe even four. So I've invested in something a bit more expensive that's supposed to be arriving this week. Uh, the trouble is everything is you have to put it all together these days. And I think I struggled yeah. quite a bit with this chair, um, with one person trying to hold everything together as you screwed it in. But... That's uh, the delights uh, awaiting me this week. And the other thing I wanted to bring up is, as I was running out of things to watch, I really had run out, although I did order a touch of Frost, the full box set, because I've seen four of the episodes now, and they were actually quite good. Um, um, so I'll you know, have a lot of that to watch, and I found quite a few DVDs yesterday we'll, we'll get into. Um, I had this, it's, it's what it was, you might know what I mean, Maleficus, it's an Intellivision 25 games console, now Intellivision came out to rival Atari in the late 70s, early 80s, are you aware of that, is that before your time? Um, <clears throat> I remember the old Atari machines, I don't, yeah. don't necessarily remember the Intellivision ones, I'm going to have a little Google while you're talking. <laughs> well, what it was, was I had a friend... Nicholas and he had an Intellivision and you know my mum didn't have much money my dad had left and stuff so and I was a, a fee-paying school so there were a lot of people there who had very rich parents so I'd get to go to their houses and they had everything you could think of under the sun and he had this Intellivision thing and as you do messing about on the internet you you know you sort of start trying to think of all sorts of weird things like looking up Kirk Stevens 147 break, which was one of the first ones to be televised, I think 1984. Um, all sorts of... Uh, and I looked that up in television because I remember particularly the skiing game I used to enjoy playing when I went over to his house. And they've made, like, it's the shape of a PlayStation console and all it's got is um, uh, you, you plug it in, I think... No, it just pl plugs straight into the television and I think there might be another lead for the power. And it's got 25 games built in that are faithful copies of these original games, supposedly. Right. Um, and there are things on there, you know, the old Space Invaders is there where you've got those three blocks that you can hide behind and, you know, you dodge out from behind them and shoot I them. know it well. I yeah. know it well. Those yeah. sort of things. <laughs> and um, anyway... Last week, I went through all these 25 games. And, of course, now, sort of Space Invaders, stuff like that you get on your phone is better resolution, better quality. But what I've found is I haven't played games on my phone much for, for a long time. And Maleficus, whenever I click on a game that's not had any sort of payment, 
it's all adverts or trying to sell you stuff or things like that. Yeah, and it never yeah. was when I downloaded it. And it shouldn't be allowed. They shouldn't be allowed to bring it out and then, oh, this is all free and stuff like that. And then, because they've got you in through false pretenses, because they always plan to do this. And the idea that people would buy tokens to continue playing a game on their phone, stuff like that, is amazing to me that it's even legal for a start. Uh, and even more yeah. so, well, I'm not completely shocked. It reminds me of a sermon I heard once by a pastor who, you know, was talking about all these people that gung ho individuals, like, oh, you know, they come and take my guns, it's going to be a bloodbath and all this sort of stuff. You know, he's talking from America, obviously, where guns are legal. And he says, and then they get raided and it's like, oh, here they are. And here's some more you never even heard about. Didn't even know I had. Here they are. And that's how most of these people are. This is why when I read all this stuff, all this awakening and people are waking up. No, they're not. Even the people who are awake, they've got us so frightened into what we can and can't say, what we can and can't do all these different things um they ain't gonna do anything they really aren't when you think about what's been done to people with the covid nonsense how many people had to watch their loved ones die in nursing homes and couldn't even you know go in to say goodbye because they were prohibited from doing so all this sort of stuff there's been no real backlash no you'd have thought people because i I was thinking that andy when i was working uh, when I was doing the gardening thing, I was thinking, you know, if that was my relatives, I would be, I'd be in the reception kicking right off. You know, yeah. they'd, they'd need security to escort me out. That would be the only way. You know, you're not keeping me away, away from my relatives when they're in their dying days, in their dying breath. I think it's disgusting. Sorry, you've hit a nerve there. <laughs> that really, really upset me um, when I was doing that, when I was um, working on the gardening department there. Yeah. really did upset well it probably because you saw these people having to look through windows and stuff like that you yeah know? so you saw it firsthand i only read about it and stuff um so that must have been very difficult um yeah I, i'm i'm you see people say well you're a pet why do you bother doing any of this stuff well i don't do the prayer on the air anymore but uh i've explained it several times and uh i still say that every day and I believe that that is the only way. I can contend that if we st- stuck with the laws that are in the Bible, all this evil going on today wouldn't be happening anyway, for a start, if we stuck to what we were, as I say, what we were taught there, to obey. And we're told that if you disobey the law, if you obey the laws, you get the blessings, and if you disobey, you get the cursings. Um, and look at all the country that are countries that are disobedient to the laws today and how they're faring so i firmly believe that that's the only way i would never put my trust in man any man because they're all i i and i include myself in that category if someone said right we want you to sort it all out what have you i don't trust myself to do it okay um so in that sense i believe that that that's my solution is divine intervention and by waking people up to that solution um that's the only way that in my opinion we go forward and i think that when you look at all these different people online that are the very few of them that have actually know what's really going on and are really trying to motivate people to do something about it the situation just gets worse every day dr james p wickstrom used to start every show that he did every week he'd say well I always ask you, has it gotten any better? 
and he proved that every week that he was doing shows from the late 90s, every week it got worse. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, we've never had like a little blip where it's gone up. You could say, well, how about Brexit? How about Donald Trump? Well, how's that worked out for you? You know? Yeah, I, how- I completely agree. I completely, that, that was one of the reasons why, you know, why I've said for a long time, you know, all we're doing is concentrating on all the bad things that they're intending to do to us. Not once are we concentrating on passing on what we do know to the, to the folks around, which is obviously just part of the reason for the Kerno connection thing is because we don't cover any of these really heavy subjects. In actual fact, we cover subjects which should be pertinent to local communities and, and things like that. Um, that's, that's where I think the way forward is, is you know, being in contact with the people that are actually around you, not the people that you carry around in, in that rectangle thing in your back pocket. So. Yeah, that's good, and and um, of course you see that's a um, and that's a more practical way. Um, you see where you are. I really couldn't do that where I am. I've got neighbours all around me on a floor that I live on, and I think I know one of them. Yeah, and you know when I say no, I say hello. That's it. Couldn't even tell you their name, and that's the way it is in in cities and stuff like that. Because there's so many people about people don't communicate unless they get to know people and whereas where you are certainly from my you see I've lived in Dorset and Devon and I knew a lot of people there and there was a lot more community spirit when I, where I lived there in sort of villages little towns Wareham was a town very small town but a lot of people knew a lot of people um and uh Devon was even similar Seaton so I imagine you could get something like that going there and that's worth looking at for people all around the world. Just practical ways that, you know, if there's a problem with, you know, put a farmer in your group who could prioritise the people of the group and then there's other people who could do maintenance, Maleficus could do gardening, all these different things, you know, planting stuff, making things look nice, all that sort of thing. That's a good way of doing it. So there are all sorts of things. But going back to the gaming thing, the in television, um, it turned out that, well, it's in a charity shop now. <laughs> um, it was a bit of a waste of my time going through all 25 games, but I'm pleased that I did. But consequently, I decided to bring my PlayStation 1 back from my hey. mum's house. So uh, the funny thing is, like, um, I've got, and uh, I'm getting rid of 12 of the games I had. I think I'm keeping 14. There's a lot of the wrestling games. People go on about like SmackDown, SmackDown 2. They're the best wrestling games. I don't think I can get one move off in there, Maleficus. I mean, it, it's so fast. I just can't. It's just what I did. I went through stuff like I've got the original Formula One game. And I like that because you can put it in arcade mode and you can just barge down the inside on all the corners and get to first place by the end of the three lap race, which is what I like to do, obviously, to win it. But um, uh, in the same way that I like the WCW Mayhem Wrestling game, because on that, when you pick your wrestlers, you can pick their um, stamina level at the start. So I up my one to five and lower my opponents to one. So invariably, I will wear them out when I finally work out what moves to do, etc., etc. I mean... I don't look at it as cheating because it's a game. I'm playing a computer and I, I'm, I'm not... 
if I didn't get any joy out of winning the game, I don't think I'd bother. It's like I had some there and I was looking at them and I thought, I've got to read all this stuff up. No, I can't be bothered with that. It's just going to the charity shop. So it was all going off memory what I'd played in the past. Um, I talk about the Formula One game because there's a Colin McRae rally game. Uh, I had Colin McRae rally on the PlayStation. I've got a funny story about that, actually. (laughs) Yeah, tell us about that. Another uh, time. um, Well, no, I'll I'll just say my story is I'll end up the wrong way round and just I just can't control the car it goes all over the place so whereas in the formula one i can so i'm like well they're both driving games one i can do and the other one i can't and i'm thinking well maybe if i get to that level and i don't want to get to a certain level i'm i may well not touch those games again since i went through them last week i mean it's set up um where my telly is in the in the flat but i don't know as i'm now i've got a load more stuff to watch again uh, so what's your story on the Colin McRae rally? My sister, many years, I'll just be very brief. My sister, many years ago, lived with, lived with uh, one of her, yeah, her boyfriend, her past boyfriends. And um, she used to get so bored because he'd invite all the lads around and they'd all be sat there glued to Colin McRae and taking it in turns. And, and she'd get so bored. And uh, at one point she wasn't at work and she thought, well, you know what? If you can't beat them, join them. So she spent loads of time while Joff was at work, um, playing this game, but not actually completing, not, not, you know, not saving any of the games that she completed. And she, got, she spent about a month doing this. And one night she said, all right, then, let's have a go. Let's have a go. And they're like, yeah, yeah, she's going to have a go. You know, and they're all ready to take the mickey. And she, she feigned the fact that she, it was her first go for the first few rounds. And then at one point just got on one of the most difficult tracks, floored it all the way around, got first place, beat the leaderboard, all that kind of thing. And she was like, yeah, I don't know what all the fuss is about. This is really easy. (laughs) They were all left there with their jaws on the floor. Absolutely brilliant. But that's typical my sister. Uh, That is, well, I take basically the fact that she can even control it. I mean, I'm terrible with things like this. It was... um, uh, the Die Hard trilogy, if it wasn't for the invincibility uh, cheat code that I type in at the start, I wouldn't last a minute, okay? Um, and even with that, you I've only ever gotten off the second floor, and I think there's like 24, 25 floors that you have to go through, because right. even with the invincibility, you have to get, you get like about 30, 40 seconds to get to a certain place. On the first floor, you've got to get to where the lifts are, um, and you get... If you don't get there in that time, then, you know, it just starts that level again. So I've never worked my way, worked out where I have to go to on the third floor. Um, And that's it. So I'm really terrible with stuff like that. But I suppose it's nice to have another outlet that I can, I can go to. It's there, but. It's some downtime, isn't it? Yeah, it's, 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 it's an option, you know. So in the past, it was a case of, I don't do much reading today of books or anything. There's. I can't think of anything I want to read. So that's pretty much gone. So it's sort of stuff I do on my computer, things I listen to and stuff I watch on the telly. And now it's just something else that I can do there. But anyway, we've been talking a lot and I've got someone coming over the afternoon, which is in an hour and eight minutes from now. It's 10.52 a.m. UK time. As I'm we'd better get a wriggle on. <laughs> yeah, it's February the 25th of 2024. It's a Sunday. 
Um, should have said the, that at the beginning, but I forgot. I'm going to have to put it in the script, otherwise I won't remember. But that being said, let's go over to uh, John Cazale. Now, John Cazale, have you ever watched the film The Godfather, Maleficus? I haven't. All right, so you don't know that one. How about um, The Deer Hunter? I'm aware of both of these films, and neither of them have I watched. Okay, <laughs> well, uh, well, well, we'll go a different tack. Now, basically, John Cazale, he, um, you might have heard the expression of a Fredo. He was in The Godfather. He was a slightly sort of dumb but lovable brother um, who gets uh, passed over. He should have inherited from his you know, brother Sonny, but it went to Michael, played by Al Pacino. And we know the rest of the story. Um, John Cazale died at the age of only 42. He had lung cancer, and that was back in 1978. And in his career, which was mainly in the theatre, and Al Pacino said he'd learned more from John Cazale because he acted with him, I think, six times in the theatre. He said he learnt more from him than anyone else in his life. And there's a documentary called I Knew It Was You, Rediscovering John Cazale, and that's made in 2009. And, of course, the I Knew It Was You title comes from when Al Pacino finds out that his brother, played by John Cazale, betrayed him in The Godfather Part Two. He said, I knew it was you. And it's a very famous scene. Um, And it's got... You know, pretty much everyone he acted with in it. Meryl Streep, who was his girlfriend at the time and uh, nursed him all the way through to the end. And Al Pacino even said, with all the stuff she's done in her career, his enduring memories, whenever he hears Meryl Streep, he remembers seeing her with John Cazale at the end and the amount of, you know, care and nurturing she gave him. He was just awestruck by it because, of course, John Cazale was one of his closest friends. But this documentary, I knew it was you rediscovering John Cazale, I watched this morning. It's only 40 minutes. Uh, It's on YouTube. I'll include a link in the post for this show. And you've got Al Pacino, Gene Hackman, Robert De Niro, Francis Ford Coppola, Sidney Lumet, all talking about him. Uh, Of course, they all work with him in an acting or uh, directing capacity. You've got Philip Seymour Hoffman, Sam Rockwell, Steve Buscemi talking about how influential he was on their careers. And you're talking about an actor who only acted in five films. And that was wow. The Godfather. The, yep, from 1972 to 1978. That was The Godfather, The Conversation, The Godfather Part Two, Dog Day Afternoon and The Deer Hunter. There are only two other things in his filmography that I also saw today on YouTube. That's an episode of a television series called NYPD from 1968 called The Peep Freak. And also in that episode, I didn't recognise any of the main cast, but there were two supporting actors in it. And that was, of course, John Cazale and Martin Sheen of Apocalypse Now fame and The West Wing. And uh, they actually have a little fight in there, which is quite interesting to watch. And the other film in there was a 196... Well, it says 1962 on Wikipedia, but on the film it actually said 1961. It was called The American Way. And it was a short 10-minute film that was just really weird. Um, John Cazale's got a beard and he's walking around attaching electrodes to, some, to different things. 
uh, attached one of those plungers that you put a bomb off and every time he pushes the plunger it doesn't work and it was like I was looking at this and I thought not being funny but that foot fetish film that I was involved in that was far better than this at least it had like a story do you know what I mean this just didn't have a story it was just weird um, and uh, of course everything else that he did was, was theatre so I've kind of seen the complete works of uh, John Cazale and um Whilst I have uh, The Godfather, The Godfather Part 2, the conversation I saw years ago, it was just hardly anything happens in it. People talk about being a wonderful film. I didn't see that. Dog Day Afternoon, there's elements of the plot that I'm not particularly uh, fond of. We'll just leave that one there. And The Deer Hunter, yesterday, I was in a charity shop and I saw a copy of Once Upon a Time in America. Now, the 40th anniversary of that is coming up this June, and I've even written it in my diary, because to try and get a Blu-ray copy of the um, uncut version that went out about 10 years ago at Cannes, they found some more footage. You're talking a lot of money. And I thought, well, it's the 40th anniversary this year, so they're bound to do something with it then. But even the DVD on Amazon is like 16 quid just for the DVD. And that's not right. the full version, but it's got more than... Anyway, um, that was there on the shelf in the charity shop. It looked new. And I said, um, how much are the DVDs? You had a lot of time there. Oh, three for a pound. So I was like, what? So I think it all come from the same collection. There was that, there was the deer hunt, all these things I've seen in the past, but don't really remember them. But for three for a pound, I thought I'll, I'll get these in again. And I got two or three things that I'd thought about watching, but never had, like artificial intelligence a steven spielberg film that i've read the plot and it doesn't look very good to be honest but the reason i'm interested is stanley kubrick was developing this for years and a lot of his work is in the film and right. he gave it to steven spielberg to finish it in 1995 of course he died in 97 so for 30p i'll have a look i can always fast forward it and it goes back to a charity shop or something like that but anyway um I just wanted to run through this John Cazale character because the documentary was fun. And uh, in all these films, you'll always think about, oh, The Godfather, that was, you know, Marlon Brando in the first one and Al Pacino, the lead in the second, and The Deer Hunter, oh, that was... What do we know about The Deer Hunter? Oh, the scene between Robert De Niro and Christopher Walken, the Russian roulette scene, all this sort of stuff. And this guy's there. And all these actors are said... He's a supporting actor, but we couldn't have done what we did without the way he played it because he was one of these actors that fed others and it yeah. kind of raised their game. Um, so anyway, let's move on. That, there's uh, that documentary in the uh, link in the post for the show. To Tom Sharp's satire, in which I will read, or I do read, brief extract from each of his 16 books this week tom sharp's 10th book vintage stuff which was originally published in 1982 here we go folks it was a sadder but no wiser mr clyde brown who returned to the cones that evening after a heated argument with his wife whom he blamed entirely for bringing peregrine up too dutifully he tried to explain to his son the hazards involved in doing exactly what he was told. You could get into terrible trouble, you know. People are always saying things they don't really mean, and if you do what they tell you, everything they tell you, you'll end up in Queer Street. Peregrine looked puzzled. Where's Queer Street, Daddy? he asked. 
Mr. Clyde Brown studied the boy with a mixture of cautious curiosity and ill-concealed irritation. Now that it had been drawn to his attention, Peregrine's adherence to the literal had about it something of the same cunning Mrs. Clyde Brown displayed when confronted confronted by facts she preferred not to discuss. He had in mind extravagant use of the housekeeping money. Perhaps Peregrine's stupidity was as deliberate as his mother's. If so, there was still hope. Queer Street is nowhere. It is simply an expression meaning a bad end. Peregrine considered this for a moment. How can I go there if it's nowhere? he asked finally. Mr. Clyde Brown closed his eyes in silent prayer. He could appreciate the plight of the teachers who had to cope with this ghastly logic every day. Never mind where it is, he said, controlling his fury with some difficulty. What I'm saying is that if you don't pull yourself together, no, forget that, Peregrine might go into convulsions. If you don't learn to make a distinction between statements of fact and mere exhortations, you'll find yourself in deep, in, in terrible trouble. Do I make myself plain? Yes, Daddy, said Peregrine, looking at Mr. Clyde Brown's face with a critical eye that belied his father's hopes. But Mr. Clyde Brown had exhausted his repertoire of clichés. Then get out and don't do every damn thing you're told to do, he shouted incautiously. Over the next few days, he came to learn the full horror of Peregrine's perverse obedience. From being a model child, Peregrine became a model delinquent. He refused to pass the marmalade at breakfast when he was told to. He came home from school with a black eye, precisely because the headmaster had warned the boys against fighting. He shot Mrs. Worksop's cat with his air gun, thanks to his mother's injunction to be sure he didn't. I can't think what's got into him, Mrs. Clyde Brown complained when she discovered that far from tidying his room as she'd asked him, Peregrine had emptied the drawers onto the floor and had practically wrecked the place. He's never done anything like that before. It's almost peculiar. You don't think we've got a poltergeist in the house, do you? Mr. Clyde Brown replied with inaudible caution. He knew only too well what they had in the house. A son with the moral discernment of a microprocessor and with an uncanny flair for misapplying logic. Forget what I said the other day, he snarled, dragging Peregrine from his previously overfed pet rabbit, which was now starving. From now on you're to do what you're mother and I say. I don't care what havoc you wreck at school, but I'm not having this house turned into a hellhole and the neighbour's cat shot because you're told not to. Do you understand that? Yes, Daddy, said Peregrine, and returned to his less disturbing model behaviour. So, Maleficus, uh, any questions about that before we move on? No, no. <laughs> it's He's got, I've, like I say, I've got to go back over the whole Tom Sharp thing because uh, I remember the books from a ki- uh, being a kid, but I never actually read them. So, uh, yeah, it's good. Good little section. I like it. Very British. Excellent. Okay, so let's uh, move on to Tex Mars Fact Checker. This is the penultimate episode in which Tex gives his interpretation of historical events, which tends to conflict with that promoted by mainstream historians. Today's clip is entitled Tex on Gandhi, which is taken from his July 9th, 2011 Power of Prophecy radio show, entitled Down the Rabbit Hole, Volume 6. So let's just mute Maleficus and then myself and open this up in VLC. Hopefully it'll start playing straight away. But Gandhi was bisexual! 
he left his wife to live, listen to this, with a Jewish bodybuilder from Germany. A Jewish bodybuilder. And Gandhi lived together. You know, Gandhi's a little skinny guy. This guy's a, a bodybuilder. His name was Hermann Kallenbach. And Gandhi wrote him love letters, and included was this statement, How completely, Hermann, you have taken possession of my body. This is slavery with a vengeance. Hope I got an accent right. Just true. It's absolutely true. Well, anyway, there you have it. That's what Tex thinks. Maybe he's right or maybe he's wrong. But as we always say on this show, you be the judge. And the best place to be the judge is to go to just type in Daily Mail. Gandhi left his wife to live with a male lover. New book claims by Daniel Bates, 28th of March, 2011. Mahatma Gandhi was bisexual and left his wife to live with a German Jewish bodybuilder, a controversial biography has claimed. That, as I say, is a Daily Mail article that is online. You can find that for yourselves and have a read of it if it interests you. Maleficus, does it interest you or do you want to move on? Uh, I think we'll, we'll, we'll move on and leave that for the, for the listeners to decide upon for themselves. <laughs> Yes, indeed. So uh, we'll catch up, don't worry. We'll uh, probably not make the hour this week, but uh, now it's time for Shakespeare's quote of the week. I will urge his hatred more to Clarence with lies well steeled with weighty arguments. That's from King Richard III, Act 1, Scene 1. In current language, that my lies are well concealed with very questionable reasons, but are made plausible by powerful arguments which nevertheless still are lies suggestions for use when your adversary brings out laughable arguments to support his point by quoting a political source who has an interest in supporting the lie for example you could say these are lies well steeled with weighty arguments but they are still lies what happens in the actual play? Richard III has designed an elaborate plan to become King of England by eliminating all adversaries who have more right to the throne than him. Here he talks to himself, and therefore to the public, outlining his plan. Jimmy's comment. Were it not sooner... Were it not that sooner or later, people at large will suffer the consequences of the monstrous lies peddled by the so-called rulers. They, the lies that is, have all the earmarks of a comedy and often a tragic comedy. We take it for granted that for politicians at large, the public is the natural target of patent, undeniable and unadulterated lies. Alternatively, the body politic assumes that the public believes anything, provided it is quite incredible, as Oscar Wilde said. One such recent example is the announced reconfirmation of the corrupt and obtuse Ursula von der Leyen, or von der Lubin, as she is sarcastically called by son, by some, as the candidate guide of the so-called European Union for the next four years in the forthcoming European elections. Of course, the multitude that choose by show, as Shakespeare would say, have to rely for judging on what they are shown. Even so, here it is not the multitude that has chosen Ms. von der Lubin, it is the so-called establishment, so confident of controlling the multitude as to make of the people a monumental mockery, to quote Shakespeare again. 
the establishment is convinced that the multitude who chooses by show has already forgotten the billions gifted by Ursula to the Covid vaccine manufacturers and of which an unknown number of millions flowed into her pocket as commissions, as they are euphemistically called. Some of this came out through her various exchanges with the vaccine manufacturer, just not to repeat unsubstantiated claims. And when it comes to lies by the establishment, the only proverbial embarrassment is the embarrassment of the choice. Among the numberless candidates for this week's elections, among lies and liars, are the absurd lamentations by sundry European so-called politicians or stooges of we know whom lamentations about the death of Navalny, allegedly a cruelly persecuted martyr for freedom and democracy in Russia. I have a video from a few years ago showing a Navalny secretary meeting with a CIA agent and asking for CIA's money for Navalny's operation in Russia. This is these are excerpts from the transcript. A little money. How someone would spend it, I don't know. Ten, twenty million dollars a year. Supporting this, we would see quite a different picture. And this is not a big amount of money for people who have billions at stake. This is the message I'm trying to project in my fundraising efforts and talking to the business community and so on. We need to play on a different chessboard. Mass protests, civil initiatives, propaganda, establishing contacts with the elite and explaining to them. Navalny was a self-declared foreign agent and the transcribed dialogue shows how much European politicians sarcastically respect the truth and practically despise the people. You can email Jimmy at jimmy.moglia at gmail.com, the link to which, along with Maleficus's email address, maleficus at outlook.com, will be available in the post for this show at achshow.com. Shakespeare's Quote of the Week is brought to you by Jimmy Moglia, and in particular his yourdailyshakespeare.com website, an arsenal of verbal weapons to drive your friends into action and your enemies into despair. So Maleficus, what are your thoughts on today's Your Daily Shakespeare Quote? I will urge his hatred more to Clarence, with lies well steeled, with weighty arguments. Over to you. Yeah, well, I mean, rather than urging hatred, uh, you know, obviously <sighs> my observations on that are just, you know, how the government urged compliance using its various machinations, i.e., you know, the mainstream media, etc., over the you're know, getting people to queue up for the for the jabs and all that kind of thing, all steeled with weighty arguments, safe and effective and you know it definitely does more harm than uh, does more good than it does harm and all that kind of thing and the side effects are worth it it's a you know etc etc we've covered it so many times but yeah great little quote there thank you Maleficus and uh, let's move on to where are we the people who this week's rather people who failed to join Sven Longshanks in prison and how they did it segment of the show which is brought to you courtesy of the British justice system. Sven Longshanks was sent to prison for two and a half years on May the 15th 2023 for comments he made on his radio show the archives of which are still available on radioalbion.com a station you could simply stop listening to if you chose to do so in the same way I stopped listening to the BBC over a year ago when I chose not to renew my television licence. So here are this week's people who failed to join Sven Longshanks in prison and how they did it. First up, the Courier headline. 
disgusting Fife carer who assaulted elderly resident and took degrading videos of Oid's jail. Next, Landlord Zone headline. Letting agent avoids jail after defrauding seven landlords. Next, Press and Journal headline. Highland boxing champion narrowly avoids jail after three horrifying unprovoked attacks. Next, Northwich and Winsford Guardian headline. Northwich man, 58, avoids jail despite trying to message young boys. And finally, Daily Mail headline. Mother, 47, who stole fifth who stole £15,000 in savings from her vulnerable autistic son and splashed the cash on herself, is branded despicable by judge, but avoids jail. Whilst I could present many, many more headlines, that concludes this week's The People Who Failed to Join Sven Longshanks in Prison and How They Did It segment. So, Malifkas, do you have any headlines for us? Over to you. I do indeed. Shropshire Star here, shropshirestar.com. Drink driver's partner lost arm in crash he caused, but avoids jail despite fourth conviction. That's uh, quite impressive, isn't it? Um, Mm. So, Lynn News. This comes from King's Lynn man. uh, Nicholas Simmons avoids prison sentence after committing 14 offences since July 2023. So, prolific shoplifter already had 14 offences under his belt and still manages to avoid prison. Um, so this one, uh, this one was actually, I'm not going to say who, but one of, one of the listeners sent me this one in, uh, and it's from the Daily Skeptic, and it says, the judge in the paraglider case gave more lenient sentences to the three women convicted of glorifying Hamas than to six retired police officers who made offensive jokes in a private WhatsApp group. So... There you go. That shows how this uh, how this is weighted, doesn't it? There you go. Back to you, Andy. Thank you, Maleficus. Just uh, yeah, had to reach over for my phone see if I'm getting any messages about this guy turning up. But uh, yeah, just said that he will let me know when he's on his way. So we're certainly on our way here with. Um, our next section, which is as of December the 1st, 2022, we have a total of 2,362 people having died after taking the fake vaccine and 474,018 people having been injured after taking the fake vaccine. These figures were published on the British government's website page entitled Coronavirus COVID-19 Vaccine and First Reactions and were aggregated from the totals of the five vaccine analysis prints linked to on that page. I say were because the British government are no longer publishing these as whilst their website page still exists, the five vaccine analysis prints have now been deleted from it. So I have absolutely no idea of the official figures today. Also, the government petition Stop the Online Safety Bill, Keep Free Speech Free, which as of this time last week had 379 signatures, including Shelley's, Malifkus's and mine. As of yesterday, it has only 384 signatures, so five in a week. Okay, so now let's go over to Malifkus for his The Great Distraction segment of the show. So take it away, my good man. I've never seen such a car crash of a, of a, of a petition. I really haven't, but there we yeah. go. Oh, never mind. Never mind. Okay, so be afraid, people. Be very afraid. Safe air quality levels in the US, the UK and the EU are still harmful for your health, says study. Even a small amount of exposure to minute soot particles known as PM 2.5 raises the risk of cardiovascular disease. Yeah, well, you know, 
you can't go around life wrapping yourself in cotton wool, folks. So, uh, you know, just don't. Next thing is, it, it will be, uh, we'll, you know, it's almost like the government wants to turn us into images of Mr. Jelly by Robert, Roger Hargreaves. Anyone that hasn't read that. Please go ahead and do so. It's a it's a two minute read. Um, okay, so um, Al Jazeera news here. Why is measles making a comeback in the UK? <laughs> First question is is why should it concern Al Jazeera? But anyway, as Nor- as Northern Ireland reports its first case of the disease in seven years, the rest of the UK has seen a surge over the past year, and of course, the outbreaks of measles and mumps. Uh, sprung up in parts of Britain in recent months amid concerns of what Dr. Vanessa Saliba from the UK Health Security Agency, UKHSA, has called a worryingly low MMR vaccine uptake in some areas across the country. Why are people so scared nowadays to put vaccines in their own, nay, their children's arms? I wonder why. Um, moving on, Mail Online article here. Competitive swimmer, 21, had a stroke at graduation and her doctor suspect it was a rare side effect of the pill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> OK. Yeah, well, it's possible, I guess. Um, so another Mail Online article here. NIH study uncovers 275 million entirely new genetic variants that may explain why some Americans are prone to diseases like cancer and diabetes. There you go. They're these entirely new ge- genetic variants that we knew nothing about uh, within you know, the species of human <laughs> up until now. How did they get there? I don't know. <laughs> OK. Researchers discover cause of long COVID's main symptom. Long last. We've been waiting a long time for this. And they've discovered, researchers have discovered, folks, that it is, they've discovered that leaky blood vessels together with hyperactive immune systems may be the underlying cause of brain fog in people with long COVID. What gave them leaky blood vessels and a hyperactive immune system? Answers on the back of a postcard, folks. Send them in to either me or Andy. Um, <laughs> Or anyone else that you might care about. So um, here we go. Look, Guardian here. The Guardian's on the ball. Uh, Two very rare COVID vaccine side effects detected in global study of 99 million. So results confirm how uncommon uh, known complications are. As researchers confirm benefits from all vaccines still vastly outweigh the risks. Uh, Two new but exceptionally rare COVID-19 vaccine side effects, a neurological disorder and inflammation of the spinal cord have been been detected uh, by researchers at the largest vaccine safety study to date. Wow. And that's all they found, is it? Uh, Anyway, moving on. Here's an article, another one sent in by a listener. Thank you very much. I won't mention any names, but you know who you are. Uh, So this comes from Wrexham.com. Wrexham Maylor Hospital researchers call for participants to join vaccine research trial. Volunteers are needed to take part in the first UK inhuman vaccination trial in the fight against monkeypox. Oh, yes, that, that dreadfully dangerous disease that gives you a few welts here and there. Um, so 
moving on with the being afraid and being very afraid, um, I noticed that there is an awful lot of stuff in the newspapers recently over the last few months of World War Three. Here we go. Times travel. Ten safest countries to live in if World War Three in World War Three, if it happens. <laughs> Russia threatens this what another one here from the express Russia threatens to shoot down NATO planes over Black Sea in horrifying World War Three escalation really what are they preparing us for here um, World War fears World War Three fears soar as Lukashenko warns West is on the edge of the abyss of nuclear war um, you know it's this is fear porn, fear porn, fear porn. They would love it. I'm sure they would love it to go into the direction of a third world war. Um, looking at the precursors as to what occurred, you know, the, the the methods behind the madness of how all this occurred. You know, the Donbass having very, very similar, um, uh, being a very, very similar scenario to the Danzig Corridor uh, and all that. You know, and. Uh, there are so many similarities. It's it's very much a very similar playbook to the way World War Two was started. So you can understand why um, people are thinking along these lines, but it's not being helped by the mainstream media pushing World War Three, World War Three, World War Three. So yeah, let's let's see where it goes with that. So finally, for me, for the great distraction, Andy, um, what's the similarity? or the difference between the mainstream media and the independent. So independent TV, ITV over here, follows uh, its post office drama with a series on the contaminated blood scandal that occurred in the 80s over here with the HIV infected blood that was given to um, various patients. And, uh, you know, so as with the post office drama, the, the post office software that, that Put loads, saw loads of post offices made bankrupt, etc., etc. People even putting their own savings in to try and save their skin because they couldn't work out what was going wrong. And it all the time it was the software. Um, you know, now this whole thing with the contaminated blood scandal during the 80s is coming to fruition. Is this a way of controlling the narrative? Andy, back to you. Thank you so much. It's interesting that you talked about these. Um World War Three mainstream media headlines because you can guess what makes up a lot of this week's Daily Mail articles that didn't end up behind their Mail Plus paywall. Got quite a few, so let's start up now. Oh, really? First up. You do surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, first up, ministers must prepare seabed warfare strategy to defend the UK from attacks on undersea cables, report warns. Next, fury over Glasgow nursery encouraging youngsters to produce anti-Israel propaganda in taxpayer-funded community centre. Next, here come the brides. King George V's great-great-granddaughter marries Australian girlfriend in royal family's first ever lesbian wedding in fun-filled outdoor ceremony. Next, exclusive. It's like we're in 1930s Germany. Jewish Londoner fears his family is a target after his five-month-old's birth certificate was returned torn with birthplace of Israel scribbled out after he sent off a UK passport, sparking urgent investigation. Next, Russia launches international manhunt for Ukrainian OnlyFans star who 
posed topless in Red Square amid Putin's crackdown on debauchery. Next, former Reverend Richard Coles reveals he lied to the church about having sex with his late husband, saying it felt like I was in the resistance and they were the Gestapo. Next, Elon Musk says first human patient implanted with a Neuralink brain chip is moving a mouse around the screen just by thinking after making a full recovery. Next, horrifying new report into October the 7th rapes reveal how survivors walk through an apocalypse of bodies, missing body parts while one victim had a grenade inserted into her genitals and details sadistic methods Hamas used to maximise suffering. Next, female students at the University of Manchester say a deeply troubling pro-life society founded by a male president who opposes abortion makes them fear for their safety. Next, how the Kremlin's enemies die. Poison, staged suicides, falling out of windows, the many different ways Moscow's opponents meet their maker as Alexei Navalny is killed using KGB heart punch. Next, Vladimir Putin has lost all restraint after murdering Alexei Navalny and will launch a killing spree against his enemies in Britain with at least a dozen names on his hit list. Next, we go on 10 holidays a year because we don't have kids. We'd rather spend money on making memories and being a bit selfish. Next, Britain's baby bus laid bare. Fertility rate plunges to an all-time low, as expert warns slow burn crisis could cripple the economy, so how many children does the average woman have in your area? Next, you'll fall for this Jamaican resort. You don't have to be on honeymoon to be smitten with Sandal's romantic new adults-only hotel. Next, is it really happy ever after? Singles are just as happy, or even happier, than married couples, researchers say. Next, Putin makes Nazi salute gesture as he raises one hand while opening sports event in Russia as his army slaughters thousands in Ukraine in the name of de-Nazification. Next, British public is at risk from UK's network of Hamas sympathisers, says advisor who reviewed anti-terror programme Prevent as he warns ministers ignored his advice on need to tackle Islamic extremists. Next, Russia warns it could accidentally start a nuclear war as impotent Western leaders miscalculate the risk of World War III days after threatening to nuke London and Washington if it loses in Ukraine. Next, West Bank shooting horror. One person is killed and seven wounded as gunmen open fire on traffic jam before the Israeli security forces neutralise all three attackers. Next, should protests be banned outside Parliament? Row over proposal for exclusion zone in Westminster after pro-Palestinian genocide slogan is projected onto Big Ben as government's anti-Semitism advisor warns against dangerous change. Next, serial cheater and sex addict says he wants Neuralink brain chip implant to save his marriage. And finally, exclusive 
Apprentice star Dr. Asif Munaf is suspended from the medical register after he was dropped from the BBC spin-off show for making anti-Semitic remarks. OK, so that's almost it for me. So, Maliftus, please close out your contribution to today's show, to today's show even, with your news roundup of the week. The floor is yours. Oh, thanks, Andy. Yeah, yeah. I wonder, you know, with, with that barrage of headlines there, Andy, I wonder where they're trying to take the public's opinion. Um, anyway, moving, <laughs> moving on. Um, uh, so here we go. This is an article from a very reputable newspaper over here in the UK known as The Sun. Yes, The Sun. Um, sorry, folks, for lowering the tone slightly, but there we go. Um, switch off. People feel disgusted after smart camera glitch allows complete strangers to see into thousands of homes. There you go. How's all that, <laughs> how's all that home security working out for you? <laughs> Uh, okay, I've got. Uh, thank you, Patrick, for this one. So this is an article from the Grey Zone, exclusive. ADL push uh, pushed BMG to drop Roger Waters by threatening to weaponize the company's Nazi past. So the BMG, for those of you that don't know, is the Bertelsmann Music Group. Uh, it was a division of the German media company Bertelsmann before its completion of the sale to the majority of its assets to the Sony Corporation uh, on the 1st of October 2008. So this is a big wig player, uh, i.e. if you've got anything copyrighted under this particular group, then the chances are if, uh, if you are dropped by them and you attempt to perform them, perform those tunes uh you could run into hot water so um here we go it says the gray zone has obtained a private letter authored by the adl's director jonathan greenblatt threatening to weaponize the nazi past of the bmg music company unless executives terminated a major deal with roger waters bmg has publicly denied israel lobby influence on its decision to nix waters contract so there you go this is exactly what they did uh, as patrick said last night when we were talking about it uh, this is exactly what they did to to the artist prince or the artist formerly known as prince who then just turned into a symbol um you know uh this is also what they did to the british group i don't know whether you know andy madness so uh they didn't uh, drop the contract or anything like that but my friend who used to uh book uh musical acts for various he had his own sort of music agency thing so he used to book acts for various places and the band madness used to um it was a very popular band back in the 80s very well known um used to book uh gigs under the name of the best madness cover band in the world because they weren't allowed to use the name madness it was owned by the record company so um this is a big thing if uh, roger waters uh stuff is dropped by the bmg uh, his deals are dropped uh, you know the bmg um nicks nicks the contract with him that's that's a big it's a big thing so i just thought i'd uh, drop that in there i'm assuming by now our good listenership has understood that the rumors about david irving being dead uh were simply rumors um probably put in place i would say to um uh, curtail any donations that might be forthcoming from his readership uh there you go uh he you are still welcome to donate folks he is still alive and kicking and could probably do with the help so uh go to his website buy a book or whatever um 
here we go. So what's the next thing I've got? Oh, yes, this one. This one from the World Health Organization. Uh, the www.who.int, World Health Organization International. So it's their, their um, official website. Who releases new guidance on monitoring the social determinants of health equity? <laughs> Basically, what it's saying is that we have to look into uh, all the uh, by all means give me an email if you want the actual document it's not it's not a huge document but I don't want to read it all out on the uh, on the air now but basically what it's saying is we have to look into uh, we have to look into recent and ongoing crisis including the COVID-19 pandemic climate change and conflict across the world that further exacerbate inequities which basically just means injustices uh, uh, and highlight the urgent need for governments to rebuild societies in a way that benefit everyone. So uh, yeah, I can kind of leave. You know, one of the best ways I think that they could build societies for the benefit of everyone. You know, one of the ways we wouldn't have. You know, as we're as as is being bemoaned about in the in the articles that Andy's just read out, we wouldn't have all this problem with uh, pro Hamas and and uh, all this stuff over here if all the people that were pro Hamas hadn't been brought over here. <laughs> so I guess you could, uh, you could argue uh, Hegelian dialectic there. Um, so uh, international, uh, this also comes from the World Health Organization website, International Pathogen Surveillance Network launches. Uh, uh, it's a catalytic grant fund for pathogen genomics. So basically, uh, an international surveillance network for pathogens and lo and behold initial grants for the catalytic fund have been provided by the bill and melinda gates foundation the rockefeller foundation uh blah 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 if anyone wants the article by all means uh, just uh, send me an email you can have a little read through that um so andy uh regarding this whole uh, uh pipeline that was uh quote unquote blown up the Nord Stream pipeline which has obviously pushed all the gas prices up here in the UK um well so figures last year showed that uh, the gas companies in uh the UK i.e. British gas, that kind of thing, uh, had profits of 72, 72 million in a year. Uh, well, that was 2022. In 2023, it's now been totted up that the gas companies in the UK uh, made 751 million. So did the uh, quelling or the, the shutting down or the blowing up, however you want to look at it, whatever, you, whatever avenue you want to go down, um, did the uh, ceasing of the use of the Nord Stream pipeline apparently um, cause a hike in prices for gas? Or does this 751 million literally reflect, reflect what the gas companies decided to do as a result of this quote-unquote event? I don't know. It's, uh, it's up to you guys to make the, make the decision and do the research, I suppose. Do your due, due diligence. So um, anyway, so finally from me, an uh, article that was sent in by my mother. In actual fact, I had a lot of help this week, haven't I, Andy? Um, GB News, Church of England wades into Lyle's Golden Syrup woke rebrand as it shies away 
from its Christian message. Now you will remember, Andy, that there was um, uh, the the logo on uh, Tate and Lyle's golden syrup. Uh, initially, was uh, it was to do with the there was a very Christian message despite uh, you know displayed in the logo, and that's what it was all about. So what they've done is they they've taken They've taken that away and just simply put a, a little lion's head there now in, in a rebrand, making it look, quote unquote, more friendly, um, i.e. more woke. Um, now, this whole woke thing is being pushed further at the moment. I don't know whether you've heard, Andy, about the controversy about the Gemini AI app. Have you heard anything about that? I commented on the Saturday show. and it's, uh, I don't think we've mentioned this, but uh, Maleficus... Um on his Kerno connection from last Wednesday, which you can find at speakfreeradio.com, played a fascinating interview with his own father uh, about uh, Ralph McTell, the famous uh, writer and performer of Streets of London, uh, the folk scene in Cornwall in the early 1960s. And I went back and listened to that uh, a couple of times. Um, And the reason that I bring that up is I got something wrong on the Saturday show years ago and I still can't remember when it was but I last did a show with David Duke in February a couple of years ago and I was on with him for about just over four years so it happened somewhere between two and six years ago but he drew to my attention if you type American inventors into Google and click images then none of the images come up as white people or very few um uh I think and the other thing I said married white women uh on the as another example but i've since thought about it and certainly back then i don't know if it's the same today but if you type in white women with children the children look very different than their mother let's just say that that was back then so you type that in into google and you click images um and of course this gemini situation is along the same lines and i made the comment on the saturday show that Maleficus always says, you know, what's the difference between the mainstream news and the independent six months to two years? Well, in this case, it's definitely more than two years that they're behind. Um, And all these things they would be aware of because we know that we're spied on. Uh, We know that the mainstream media are part of the same organisation as the government's. They're all tentacles of the same people controlling everything behind the scenes. So for some reason, they've decided to release that now. Um, not sure why maybe they're I've often maintained that they get their power through turning people against each other so maybe this is gonna part of their plan to get people that they've welcomed into the country to cause conflict between them and other people already in the country I don't know we'll just have to see what happens sorry for that long explanation Maleficus but back to you yeah, well, I mean, it's it's so funny. So so from black Nazis to female popes, American Indian Vikings, you know, so essentially Google have, have pulled it because of the controversy that it's caused. And obviously um, they've pulled the controversy with it. Such is the power of Google. Um, anyway, yeah, I just I just thought it was quite funny. I mean, I was sent through an article. Um, uh, it was actually a, a printout from what was it? The Telegraph. Here you go. The first Britons were black exhibition on diverse history claims the very first britons were black a brilliant black british history exhibition held at cultural archives in brixton south brixton south london makes a range of contentious claims about british history uh, the visitors are informed that the very first britons were black and that britain was black 
for 7,000 years before white people arrived. So there you go. You learn something new every day, don't you, Andy? I, I, I was not aware of that at all. I'm sure most of my Cornish ancestors weren't, weren't aware of that either. <laughs> but there we go. Um, so from woke AI to woke agendas, we now have breaking news, breaking news, folks, from the Express. This, is, this came in this morning, in actual fact. BBC boss admits corporation is proud to be woke in leaked recording. Leaked recording, folks. Remember, nothing in politics happens by accident. So um, that's everything from me this week. Andy, it's been a pleasure to be back with uh, uh, yourself and the good listeners. And um, yeah, great stuff. Over to you. Thank you, Maleficus. And I was just, they like to steal our language and turn it into something completely different to what it is. I've made comment reference before to my uh, grandmother. She used to like the phrase happy and gay. And of course, yeah. she was not able to use that because that word was hijacked for something else. Well, I remember I've been in this a long time following this and, and the amount of time people said, you've got to wake up to what's really going on in the world. So they've taken that and even I'm looked at it here and this was from 2001 when Ollie Danagard released the song Wake Up. Okay, so when we were telling everyone's got to wake up as to who really controls the world we live in, They've taken that, applied it to something different, and called it woke. So they're very good yeah. thieves of our own terminology. Have you noticed that, Melissa? Uh, well, you know, I was, I'm so glad you've asked me that question, because I was going to interject if not. Uh, and that is, years, many, many years ago, there was a movement in the UK started up by very good English folks who thought that the banks created money out of nothing and made money upon that. Uh, upon the individual. So what they decided to do, they set up a system whereby it would bypass the banks. And it was, it was kind of what the Americans would call a cooperative system that everyone paid into so that you got the maximum out for the minimum price. And this was stamped upon by the banks, this particular movement. And this particular movement, Andy, was called the social credit movement. What have they done to those words now? When you think of social credit, you think of China now, don't you? Yeah, that's interesting, of course. And um, what period of history are we talking about with that social credit movement? Just uh, well, it all st it, yeah, well, we're, we're talking, you know, the uh, the 20s, the 30s, you know, as late as as late. Well, I mean, granddad was campaigning on that in the in the mid 30s. So he gave a speech in the Bonacore Congregational Church of Aberdeen in 1936 outlining some of the things that uh, about manufactured shortage and you know he was also the guy that said that passed out well my uncle said to me he said dad always used to say or daddy as he he calls him because he's very british daddy always used to say that um you know why would you pay the electricity man for the gas you know, the gas, you should get the gas from the gas man, the electricity from the electricity man. And, and it should all be, you know, uh, a straight down the line transaction. Whereas now it's all you can buy your electricity and your gas and whatever other energy you want from a single company. And there's tariffs and there's all, all sorts of different price ranges, depending on who you are and what you can afford and blah, 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 and what your energy usage is and all that kind of thing. And it's. The whole system is now full of thieves, all of it, thieves and fools to be exploited. So, yeah, 
Um, so yeah, you're talking you're talking the um, basically between the wars. Andy, because C.H. Uh, Douglas, I uh, don't know whether you remember Paul saying, when I came on the show with you and Paul, uh, when we first spoke about Grandad's book, Paul spoke about C.H. Douglas and the social credit movement because he realized that people were creating goods and not getting paid enough to be able to buy those goods themselves. So he went around trying to remedy the problem and came up with the social credit idea. And as I say, it was stamped upon by the banks. So there we go. That's fascinating, Maleficus, and uh, obviously the parallels with China, we're hearing all of that, and that's what we're told they want to roll out uh, throughout yeah, the world. Well, social credit now means that the banks have control, and you have to be a good citizen in order to have your money. That's yeah. what that means now. It, never, it used to mean exactly the opposite. So, yeah. yeah, just adds fuel to what you've just said, Andy. I think there's something, again, could be, you know, could be just, they like to throw it back in our face or it could be some of this sort of magic we're told about that uh, you know they tell us that they're going to do something in an obscure publication and that allows them to do it this could be another sort of tentacle of that could be a variety of reasons for it but uh, anyway last item from me daily mail headline move over farmer left stunned after finding five of his cows making themselves comfy on his sofa after wandering away from the rest of the herd. Must have quite a big sofa to get five cows on it, but uh, on that bombshell, you have been listening to The Limeys, episode 157. If you can't be bothered to listen to this, just watch the 41-second YouTube video in the show post. We Limeys will be back with you next Sunday. Peter and I'll be back with you on Tuesday. And until then, folks, thank you for listening. Have a wonderful week and bye for now.